heard the name Ebels, but now you need to remember My Delta 8. From the same people who brought you Ebels, My Delta 8 is Delta 8 THC, offering a semi-sedative physical sensation without the overwhelming mental simulation of Delta 9 THC, resulting in a smoother, much milder experience. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 offer both best quality product and customer service in the industry, from helping manage chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more. The reviews are in, folks. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 are truly game changers as a natural alternative to big pharma drugs. And hey, yours truly here at the Brian Nichols Show can vouch for the quality of Ebels and My Delta 8 having to deal with a herniated disc in my back, plus years of sports injuries. Ebels and My Delta 8 offer relief where generic medicines simply mask the pain. And did you know you can get Ebels and My Delta 8 delivered right to your door at a special discounted price? That's right. All members of the Brian Nichols Show audience can use promo code TBNS at checkout and boom, discount applied. Again, that's code TBNS at checkout to get the highest quality CBD and Delta 8 THC on the market delivered right to your door. One more time, the code is TBNS at checkout. Victor Antonio, welcome to the program. Selling is all about, really, It's we're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not selling value, you're not selling whatever you think you're selling, a solution. You're selling change. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. And this is why we talk about being the trusted advisor. You should be able to help use that expert guidance and all the opinions that I'm sure that you have and help lead them towards not just a decision, but the right decision. Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Hello, Brian Nichols Show's listeners. This is Kenny Cody here again this week with Cody's Concerns. Today, I want to talk about a tweet that I had last week, and not because this whole episode is going to be about a tweet, but more about the topic of the tweet. The Republican Party sucks. I think we all know this in our hearts, even as conservatives and even as a true conservative myself, as a GOP card-holding member. I'm a county chair. I've never voted for another party but Republican. I never will vote enough for another party but Republican. But right now, the Republican Party is at a crossroads. And I know we've had this conversation a million times. Are we going neoconservative? Are we going libertarian? Are we going establishment? Are we going anti-establishment? But today, we need to talk about winning and losing. Doing what we need to do and holding up on promises as elected officials or for our elected officials. The Republican Party needs a deep reflection in the way that they have lied to the American people oftentimes. It's been proven they can win elections and they can win over the electorate. But the problem is, is what do they do when they get there? And this is a question from a lot of third-party candidates and a lot of Libertarian Party members. Conservatives talk all the time about fiscal responsibility upholding Western values, upholding Judeo-Christian values. But when it comes to passing actual policy or supporting candidates that actually uphold these issues, they're very feeble. There are far more moderates in the Republican Party than there are the Democratic Party. You hear a lot more Republicans that falter on very close votes, 
because they want to either appease their states or they want to appease their colleagues or they just want to do enough to stay in office. And that's the problem that I'm mainly talking about. For some reason, Republicans are always the ones that are relied upon, an exception of maybe a few senators like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema that are feeble. People like Chuck Grassley, Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski. These moderate Republicans oftentimes are the reasons that, for some reason, they're relied upon as swing votes. And why is that? Why is that we have double the Republicans, almost 15 in the Senate and tens upon tens in the House that uphold policies such as the Endless Frontier Act, that uphold policies such as Dan Crenshaw voting for a vaccine database upholded by the federal government. Why is the Republican Party the only party in which there are moderates that are relied upon for the opposition's policies? It doesn't make any sense. It never has made any sense. And that is because there is a part and wing of the Republican Party, and there is a part nearly all the Democratic Party, that is beholden to the establishment. And I know the establishment has been used as a sort of a populist term over the last, I mean, I'll I'll say four to five years, as this collection of people in D.C., or these collection of people in Congress, and these collection of people in, let's say, the federal government, (laughs) the State Department, the Defense Department, that all are not beholden to a party, they're not beholden to values, they're not beholden to anyone besides each other, besides their own interests. There's a reason that Mitch McConnell propped up Donald Trump and embraced him and then got his wife a cabinet position and then abandoned the president as soon as he could, as soon as his wife resigned. There's plenty of reasons why Mitt Romney moved to Utah um, and ran under that monolithic uh, Mormon vote in Utah for Massachusetts because he knows he could get elected and still be the moderate squish that he has ended up being in the Senate. There's a reason that Dan Crenshaw ran a Liberty Center campaign but has turned out to be one of the most establishment neoconservative Republicans or politicians, might have you, in the entire country. This is a problem that we have got to solve. This isn't even about ideology. This is about being true to what we campaign on and being true to what we promise the American electorate. As Republicans, we try to embolden fiscal conservatism and upholding Judeo-Christian values, fighting back against progressivism, fighting back against social progressivism being infiltrated into the American public by a emboldened and strengthened federal government or emboldened or strengthened local and state governments. We are supposed to stand up against that. But time time again, it's always relied upon the squish moderates in the Senate or in the House or in your own state legislators that just go, eh, eh, I can't vote for this. I'm going to have to do my buddy a favor. I'm going to have to do a lobbyist a favor. I'm going to have to do my stock market investment holders a favor. And this isn't necessarily applicable to people even like Susan Collins, 
who is in a blue state and oftentimes has to vote in maybe ways she doesn't agree with because of where she's running at. Okay. Knowing where purism can be applied is a very centric value and a very centric strategy. I'm not necessarily talking about those people, but people like Dan Crenshaw, people like Chuck Grassley, Mitch McConnell from red areas that can afford to vote on the same record as Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Ron Johnson, and others. These politicians, these Republicans can afford to vote in a way that is upholding of Republican value systems. But they don't. And we're the only party that lets that happen. There was a congressman from Texas who was, was pro-choice on abortion. And as soon as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and several other members of the squad, uh, as much as I hate to call them that, um, as soon as they found out that he was pro-choice, they funded a primary against him for one centric issue. One House member out of 435 that held a position that was different from the Democratic Party. They found a way to primary him and get him out as soon as possible because they could afford it. Why are we not upholding what we campaign on? Why are we letting our value systems get trampled on by the people that have an R next to their name? And I hear all the time, we need a big tent party. You're absolutely right, we need a big tent party. That tent should not include people who have an R beside their name just because they have to have one. I have many campaigns that I've worked, that I've worked on, that I've supported, that maybe we do need moderates in certain districts where if we don't run a moderate, then we will have a, a progressive Democrat. I'll give you that. Yes, maybe we do need moderates in those areas. But where we can afford it, and House districts that we can afford it, and state legislators districts that we can afford it, and Senate seats that we can afford it. Why are we caving? Why do we continue to cave? It doesn't make sense and never will to me. Every time I look, I look at what a Democrat bill has been passed during the Biden administration, I always look at the R's and the D's. And there's never any D's they have to worry about besides two. And we have nearly 17 that we have to worry about. We can always, even if we throw Romney, Murkowski, Collins, and others out the window of the moderates that more than likely may vote for a Democratic spending bill, we still have to worry about others. We still have to worry about Cornyn. We still have to worry about Grassley. We have to worry about our own majority leader voting with the Democrats to pass a spending bill because it has been interpreted that Mitch McConnell and his posse are some sort of political masterminds that they're doing for, for the greater good, that they have some strategy in the road, but we never really see that strategy come to fruition besides in judicial nominations, which I do give Mitch McConnell credit for. But when it comes to bills that they want to kill or it comes to a legislative action they want to kill, it's always about the future. It's always about years down the road. Wasn't the last time that Mitch McConnell did anything besides confirm Supreme Court justices that benefited you, that upheld Republican value systems? At least during the Biden administration, that's not happened. I'm thankful that we 
voted on a joint resolution last night, supposed by Tennessee Senator Bill Haggerty, that uh, disapproved of vaccine mandates or the uh, the OSHA mandate. I'm glad about that. But far too often, it seems like we are the ones that always have to be the moderates, and it's never the Democrats. It was never the Democrats under Trump. The only thing that the Democrats ever voted for that was pro-Trump was probably anti-war policy, maybe in the House and maybe in the Senate. That's the only thing they ever caved on. They didn't cave on his nominations to his cabinet. They didn't cave on judicial nominations such as Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett or Neil Gorsuch. They didn't cave. Why we lose and why that we are struggling right now is not because of ideology. We went on ideology, ideology purely. People trust Republicans with their money like they trust bankers. We are entrusted with money. And when the economy fails, Republicans win. But we never do anything with it. We never get in power. And I say power with a very a lot of quotation marks around it because I don't want to use federal government power. But when we get elected as the majority in the House, in the majority in the Senate, what have we got done? We couldn't even repeal Obamacare when Trump got elected. And we had Paul Ryan and we had Mitch McConnell as the leaders of those two parties because of a squish like John McCain. We still couldn't get anything done. We couldn't get the one thing that Republicans campaigned on for eight years. First propping up how dangerous Obamacare would be until it got passed and then talking about how dangerous it was. And we still couldn't get that repealed because of squishes like Mitch McConnell, and squishes like John McCain and others, and the failed leadership of moderates that head the party like Mitch McConnell. When are we going to sit back and finally realize that we've got to start electing small government, liberty-loving, freedom-loving, strong Republicans. Quit electing political masterminds. Quit electing politicians or Republicans that know the name of the game. Stop. They've never done anything for you. The most a lot of them have ever done is confirm judges. That happens anyway. We need a long look in the mirror of who we're nominating. We need a long look in the mirror about who our Republicans are in the federal government. When people like John Bolton are still getting national security jobs under a president who has been adamantly anti-war, you know how far of a reach that the federal government, or I'm sorry, establishment Republicans have within the federal government. An establishment, period, has in the federal government. The establishment is a political party in of its own. The establishment controls everything. It is a monolithic party. That's what we have to target. And it isn't through progressive candidates. It isn't through establishment politicians. It isn't through squishes like Dan Crenshaw, who would rather trash Thomas Massey because he doesn't love war as much as Crenshaw does and other Freedom Caucus members in the House, who prop up, would rather defend Adam Kinzinger than a Freedom Caucus member. These are the Republicans that we need to primary and we need to get out, period, the end. 
somebody who campaigns and lies. These are the people we need to target. Know who we can target as well. If there's moderate districts that are Biden plus 10, but there can be a Republican there because they vote decent every now and then to Democrats, fine, leave them. But can we please avoid electing Republicans that are in R plus 10, R plus 15, or even R plus 8 districts to go to D.C. and vote like a Democrat or cave to Democrats more often than not? I've always despised the sense of purism in a lot of different ways. I'm sure libertarians have heard that they are purists and they're not, nobody's good enough for them oftentimes. But I've become more purist in my old young age of 25. Let's start by acknowledging that the establishment has a hold on Washington and electing people who are going to decrease its influence while the establishment still has control of it. Let's elect Republicans who are Republicans, not moderate establishment Republicans who are going to cave to Democrats every single time. This has been Cody's Concerns, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.